0: Section fourteen of With Fire and Sword. This is a LibriVox recording. All the LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. With Fire and Sword by Samuel H. M. Byers. Chapter twelve. Under fire of our own guns at Charleston. Trying to capture a railway train. The secret band betrayed the desolation of Charleston. I was scarcely returned to the Macon prison again when two hundred of us, all officers, were selected to be placed under the fire from our navy then bombarding Charleston. By some wonderful fiction of military law, the confederates, as the rebels called themselves, pretended to regard the bombardment of Charleston as a crime. I do not remember now how the selection of victims to be sent to Charleston was made one evening about the end of July 1864. This, however, happened that night to add adventure and excitement to the Charleston trip. The greater number of those selected were members of a secret band of prisoners who had resolved to mutiny or to do any act in our power that could result in our escape from captivity i recall how major marshall one afternoon secretly administered to me the oath of this desperate band with my hand on my heart i swore to instantly obey every order given to me by the head captain i was to ask no questions but to strike whenever told to kill no matter whom even were my own brother to be the victim i was ready to do anything i had been mistreated and starved long enough death could be little worse than all of us had been undergoing for months the news coming to us from our prison comrades at andersonville was perfectly horrible history had never related the like of it we received the telegraph a macon newspaper into the prison pen every morning at the head of one of its columns each day the editor reported the awful number of poor starving creatures who had died at andersonville the day before it was not unlike the reports of the number of dumb beasts killed each day in the chicago slaughter pens pretty soon i learned that the eighty comrades of my regiment captured with me at missionary ridge were nearly every one dead the details of their sufferings were too horrible to dilate upon we wondered sometimes if god had forsaken the world we who joined the band and took the awful oath we did knew what it all meant outside our stockade loaded cannon waited but the least alarm to fire upon us on top of the stockade guards walked day and night with orders to instantly kill any prisoner who should approach within twelve feet of the high wall we were only eight hundred prisoners all told and nothing to fight with but naked hands outside whole regiments armed to the teeth lay with guns in their hands waiting to destroy every one of us should we offer to escape what was our chance almost nothing or if anything death still we resolved to try then came that night when we were to get on the cars and start for charleston instantly the word was passed along for every member of the secret band to quietly arm himself with a short club made from our bunks and sheds and to keep it hid under his coat or blanket now we were counted and put into a train of box cattle cars twenty-five prisoners were in a car and in the side door of each car stood a guard with his loaded musket we who were not leaders of the band wondered what desperate thing we were about to try i do not know where the tools came from but when the train was well in motion and the noise deadened our movements a big hole large enough to permit a man to creep through was knocked in the end of each car the darkness The crowd in the cars and the noise prevented the guards knowing what was going on. This was the first vestibule railroad train ever made. Shortly now, one of our leaders came creeping along from car to car, and in a low voice he told us what was about to happen. The train, on its way to Charleston, would halt close to the sea at a little town called Pocotaligo. We knew that some ships of the Union Navy lay out in the water there, scarce a dozen miles away. The design was to seize on our guards as we reached the village, disarm them, kill them if necessary, ditch the train, destroy the road and the telegraph, and then escape to the ships. I think not a soul of us doubted the likelihood of our success. We would be free men on the morrow if all went well it would be two or three o'clock in the night when the train would pass the point of action every one of us had his club and his pocket-knife in his hand ready to strike at the proper moment colonel our leader with three comrades was to spring through the end of the front car where he was onto the tender seize the engineer and fireman and wave a lantern violently as a signal for us to suddenly lay hold of every rebel soldier on the train Ten miles out from Pocotaligo, our hearts beat in terrible excitement. No one spoke. We only waited. It was silence, all save the rumbling of the car wheels. So far our guards seemed in perfect ignorance of the approaching danger. Five miles out, so sure were we of success, a few began to act without waiting for the signal— in one or two of the cars the guards had been suddenly seized and their muskets were in our hands in the car where i was one of the astonished guards finding himself without a gun coolly said and what are you going to do with we it was a tremendous moment as the train sped along in the dark three miles to poco talago two miles one mile with quick-beating heart i leaned from our car door straining my eyes for the lantern signal then the whistle blew loudly but the train only hastened its speed and in two minutes instead of stopping we shot past the station at lightning speed what had happened were we discovered not a signal had been given to us in the morning we were all hurried inside the jail yard of charleston now we knew it all At the crucial moment our leader had lost his nerve and become a coward, or had he betrayed us. He had not waved the lantern, though he had captured it, and held it in his hand. We were now much alarmed as to what would be done with us for seizing the guards. We might lose our lives. Colonel the false leader, was taken to another prison to save him from being torn to pieces by his own comrades. The newspapers of Charleston that morning contained flaming articles describing how a terrible catastrophe had been averted by the cowardice or treason of one man. Where they got the details of the proposed capture of the train no one will ever know. Was the leader simply a coward, or was he paid for betraying us? After a while we were transferred to what was called the Roper Hospital. It was close to the jail, and the danger of being killed by the shells from our own fleet was still very great, though, in fact, few of us were hurt. The yellow fever was to be a greater scourge than Yankee cannon. Our fleet officers had learned the locality where the prisoners were guarded, and fired their shells mostly in other directions. It was a grand spectacle at night, the soaring through the heavens of so many blazing bombshells, and their bursting in the city. Parts of Charleston that we could see were perfect pictures of desolation, whole quarters stood in black ruins and uninhabited. The weather was exceedingly hot, and a yellow fever broke out and raged fearfully among both prisoners and guards. It seemed as if we should all die there at last they transported us away to a little open field in the woods close to the town of columbia the capital of south carolina the surgeon of the prison camp at charleston was dr todd a brother of president lincoln's wife a more rabid secessionist was nowhere to be found it was a curious situation that the brother-in-law of the great president should be so attached to the country's opponents On our way to the prison at Columbia, Major Marshall of my regiment and two captains escaped from the train and reached the north by tramping at night through the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee. They had horrible experiences for many weeks. End of chapter 12